Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our scripture reading today comes from the 12th chapter of Mark's Gospel. I'll begin with the 28th verse and read through the 34th verse. As we come to this passage, let us join together first in a word of prayer. Gracious God, because you are God, it is your word and your word alone that is life for us. And because you are gracious, we trust that you will speak to us even now. We are here, O God. We are listening. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let us listen now for God's word for us. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other, and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, this is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, No one dared to answer, ask him any question. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. So I stood on the playground of Hawthorne Elementary School in Atlanta, Georgia. We were picking teams for kickball, a staple of my sixth grade phys ed class. I was only on in my third day of being a Hawthorne Hornet as my family had moved mid-year from Alabama. One by one, each kid was picked. You know where this is going. I didn't get picked. Not even when I was the last one left. They said, no, we're fine. We don't need you. Now, at my age, I am no longer scarred by this early experience of rejection, but it's interesting to me that I remember it. Most of my sixth grade year has been so thoroughly washed from my memory, it's as if it didn't exist at all. But that chilly November day in 1971, I I remember it. It was just a few weeks ago we celebrated that God could no longer bear to stay away from the world that God had created in love and 
couldn't bear to stay away from you, whom God created in love. And so the love of God was born on an ordinary night in Bethlehem. But this holy love was noticed by almost no one. And many of those who did notice had no room for him. Now, fortunately, this was not an experience of rejection that Jesus would have remembered, but he knew it was there, and he experienced it time and again, no room for him in the world. So later in his life, when a Bible professor, a man who spent his life studying the Scripture, poses him a question, what is the most important commandment? It was easy for Jesus, maybe informed by the fact that he knows what it is like to be left behind, to be pushed out, for there to be no room for him. He said, the first commandment is you are to love God with all that you are, and you are to love your neighbor as if your neighbor's welfare matters as much as your own. This is what life is about. And our biblical scholar says, you are exactly right, Jesus. And Jesus says, you are not far from the kingdom. Now, there's no surprise in this story, absolutely none, that the Christian faith is about love. That's vacation Bible school stuff. You learn that in VBS if your parents were the kind to carry you to VBS. So when this man poses this question, you might have been thinking to yourself, oh, call on me. I know this one. To be faithful is to love, to love God and to love neighbor. And the fact that you know that, well, that means we're not that far from the kingdom. So when 2020 blew in 12 months ago, we entered the new year with big hopes and big plans and bold dreams. But then we learned a whole new definition of March Madness as the greatest public health crisis in our nation's history has ravaged us, leaving us with thousands dying daily now. And in 2020, we have experienced extreme social unrest. And our public conversation is frequently offered with absolutely no respect for truth. All of this has left a pretty common assessment that 2020 is a year to forget. And I agree. But I also know there is wisdom in what we choose to forget and what we may choose to remember. We have been and we remain in a situation of crisis. And we can't afford to waste a crisis because hard times can be our teacher. It can teach us things about ourselves and about our faith that we may find harder to see when things are going pretty well. So over the next couple of weeks, I will share with you a few things that at least I myself hope to remember about this otherwise forgettable year. One of the strangest things about this year is how we've been cut off from important people in our lives, separated from those that we love. 
There are also others in our own families, perhaps, whom at times we may feel we are not able to escape them. 2020 has been a lonely year. It's documented. I find myself that I'm actually missing meetings. I didn't really expect I would ever say that. Meetings, I've never minded them, but to miss them? But I can't wait to be able to sit at a table with you and talk about things that matter and talk about things that don't matter. It's been a challenge that we haven't been able to give attention to the relationships that define our lives. I think if loving God and neighbor is what we are for, then 2020 has taught us at least two things. There are more, I know, but for for brevity, let me just point to two. The first is, I think this passage calls us to be a good friend. I hope that when we can finally speak of COVID in the past tense, that we might remember that friendship is not just something we experience, it's something we practice. I hope the days will come quickly we can, when we can let our calendars reflect our hearts, that there's time on our calendar for those that we love in our hearts. When our Bible student gets all the answers right, Jesus says to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God, and it sounds good, but I'm not sure it is. If I understand the text, the not far from the kingdom is a reminder to our, our Bible scholar and to ourselves that knowing the answers is not what faith is about. Simply knowing all the right answers, that's not what it's about. This holy word is to be lived. So I hope as 2021 unfolds, we're given opportunities to practice friendship, to practice kindness, to support one another, to spend time sharing life with one another. Love is not something that we simply think. It is something that we do And it takes time and intentionality. And I know for myself, as I reflect on what we have been through and continue to go through, I don't want to go back just to the way it was before. I want to be more intentional about communicating to the people I love that I love them. I think that's what it is to love God and to love neighbor. You know, the first thing the good book says is not good. It says it's not good to be alone. And one of the ordination vows that our new officers professed last Sunday, they were asked, will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry? Friendship, it's holy work. Being a friend is holy work. I think this passage calls us to be a friend, but I also think that it offers another relevant word for this season, particularly because it is spoken by one whose life began with no room for him. 
If I understand this passage, in addition to being a good friend, I think Jesus also calls us to be a good citizen. And part of loving our neighbor, of recognizing that our neighbor's welfare is important as our own, is to pay attention to those for whom the world has made no room. Part of that pain is what we've heard in the social unrest that has exhibited itself in 2020. Part of the protest and pain that erupted during the election cycle and campaigns was a sense that there's no room for some in the American story. But 2020 most profoundly has demonstrated a a paradox of our nation, an economic paradox. The stock market did extremely well. It climbed in dramatic fashion in 2020. But at the same time, we witnessed unprecedented, unaddressed need all across this country as there are millions of people who depend on food pantries like our own to get the basics of food and necessities. Almost nightly, it seems, on the evening news, we witness cars lined up, if not for blocks, for, for a mile or more as people are depending on the generosity of others just for food. It depends, it appears that 2020 will be another year where the benefit of the economy will continue to be concentrated among fewer and fewer, while increasingly citizens on the bottom half of the economy find no escape route. This growth in poverty is not just an economic problem, it's a spiritual problem. It reflects how we are as a community. Sasha Abramsky is a journalist who spent over a year documenting the stories of the poor. He wrote, there is a loneliness to poverty. Poverty, he says, pushes people to the psychological and physical margins of society, isolated from friends and relatives, shunned into dilapidated trailer parks, shanties or ghettoized public housing, and removal from banks and stores and transit systems and cultural institutions. They cannot afford to vary the routines of their daily lives. And he writes this, Embarrassed by their poverty, worried about being judged failures in life, and humiliated by that judgment, many told me that they have withdrawn from all but essential social interactions. There's a loneliness to the poor. Ann Case and Angus Deaton are economists at Princeton and they have found that the shame of poverty is at times deadly. They report that after a century of steady increase in steady rise in life expectancy in this country, from 2014 to 2017, life expectancy rates stalled and then began to decline. The problem their research indicates came in a dramatic increase in what they labeled deaths of despair. These are deaths that are a result of overdose, 
alcoholism, and suicide. The surge is found primarily in blue-collar communities that have been left behind in an economy that's increasingly finding no room for them. I can't imagine those numbers from 2014 to 17 will improve in 2020. Michael Sandahl, a moral philosopher at Harvard, he says part of what is happening with the poor is that they know and trust the American narrative that says that anyone, absolutely anyone, can rise, if not from rags to riches, can at least make it in this economy if you only try. So if you are poor, it's your fault. Finding little prospects other than food pantries in 2016, you could add all the deaths together that we lost in the Afghan and Iraqi wars over a 16-year period. And more Americans were dying to these deaths of despair every two weeks than over 16 years of warfare. Now, I know nothing makes us more nervous than to talk about the economy, particularly when a preacher talks about the economy. But in Christian faith, to talk about money is to talk about people. And just turn on the evening news and witness the line stretched out of people living on the edge. I got an email from one of our food pantry volunteers. I got it just this week. And she said, it is moving to watch people almost in tears of gratitude when they can receive the basic essentials of food for just, just a few more days. She said, but it is humbling to talk with people who have never asked for food before and are so humiliated they can't really look at me. I think the ministry of our food pantry in 2021 will be more important than it has ever been before. In addition to our pantry at the Manili Center, VOA has created a pop-up food pantry, and from just June through the end of the year, they have served over 1,100 families in need in our VOA pop-up pantry. It is good work. It is faithful work. It's also an indication that there are not enough food pantries around to meet the increasing need of our neighbors And even if there were, food pantries can only address the hunger problem. We're rather helpless to address the shame that comes from living in a world that has no room for you. Now, there's there's hardly a social justice ministry in this city that Village doesn't have a relationship in one way or another, and that has always been the case. And after, 40, after 70 years of being involved in this kind of social justice work, many things are better, but too many are not, and some important things are worse. And too many are feeling ever fragile is they try to hold on just to the basic dignity of human living. And I can't help but think that the one who knew what it was for the world to have no room for him, when he said, love your neighbor, 
these neighbors were top of mind for him. Christ teaches us that our neighbor's welfare is as important as our own, and we know that. We know that. And the fact that we know that, well, that may mean that we're not far from the kingdom. But this faith is not something that we just know. It's something that we do for, you know, Jesus himself was not far from that inn that had no room for him. When it comes to the ever-increasing number of neighbors who find no room in the American inn, we need to do more than blame them for their poverty. We need to do something other than blame them for their poverty. Not that we're doing that, but that's the message they receive. You know, I don't know why, but I still remember that chilly day in November of 1971 when I was told, yeah, we don't need you. And you have a day like that too. You know what it's like to be left behind, to be ignored, to be dismissed, to be walked past, to be forgotten, for the world to have no room for you. I think Jesus tapped into his own experience of exclusion to train his eyes and his heart to see the others who were excluded. Maybe 2021 can be a year when we do the same. Tap into whatever experience you may have had of being excluded, forgotten, dismissed, belittled, passed by. And let that inspire and encourage you to at least this. Say it's no longer okay for more and more of our neighbors to find no room in the world. Now, I wish I could tell you how to fix it all, but that's not only not my job, it's, it's not my expertise, but my faith does make this clear to me. It is time for us to say it's no longer okay to assume that increasing levels of poverty are natural or okay. You know, if we're smart, we might be among those who rise to the top. But if we're good, if we're righteous, we might be those who always see those who do not rise to the top. And to do what we can, to do what is ours to do, to ensure that there's room for them too. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.